How is power measured? If you bring down the moon, can you call yourself stronger than someone who quells a generational fear? If the magic in your heart commands the sea with a gesture, are you worthy of more respect than someone with nothing but luck and guile on their side to pull the tides ashore? Who is the source of influence? The face all eyes watch and the voice all ears hear? Or the hands wrangling pulleys and favors in a shadow cast by the spotlight? If all the world is a stage, then whose word will you trust? The actor, with their hand raised, or the voice in the crowd, screaming fire? Welcome back to Spindle Wheel Stories. I'm Sasha, your host and game designer. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sasha underscore Nor- Hmm, not that one. Don't, don't go there. At Sasha underscore Renault. Um, and you can follow my game dev stuff at Tea Cabbage. Um, and with me today is Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Polly3 underscore D, where you can find links to both the small games that I've been writing and also to the podcast that I've been making called An Atlas of the World Unknown, where we use a fair bit of spindle wheel for both spindle wheel as a base game and hacking it into other games. It's really cool. You should check it out. Right, so we're, we're playing Spindle Wheel, uh, which is a tarot-like storytelling game. Um, if you want to check that out or follow it, follow along um, with the rules, you can find this game um, along with like four others in the Spindle Wheel Micro Games, micro games collection, which is at uh, 22to22.itch.io slash spindlewheel-micrograms? Uh, I think that's right. Slash spindlewheel-micrograms. <laughs> yep, cool. Um, yeah, so today we're playing um, Meet Me in the Field of Honor at Dawn, um, which is a dueling game. And I will go from the top to the bottom. Um, that's how you read rules is in, is in order. Um, the premise of it is the two of you are close ones, but time and circumstance have destroyed any chance of reconciliation. It's time to settle this once and for all. Um, we'll be using the, the X card, so if something comes up in play that makes you uncomfortable, you just don't want to play with it this, this session, um, you can say, hey, can we X card that, or, or type X in the chat, and we'll change it to something better. And also there's Bleed to consider, um, which Spindlewheel is inspired by Tarot, a practice especially suited for self-reflection. As a result, it's easy to project yourself onto the cards, which can lead, lead to Bleed. Bleed is when emotions, relationships, and circumstances from your real life spill into the game and vice versa. This is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something to be aware of since the deck might deal unexpectedly dark cards. Take care of each other and don't be afraid to discard cards if what they describe doesn't fit the tone of your story. So yeah, um, Paul, would you mind reading the character section? Okay, so characters. Each player draws five facets that make up their character. You have the core, which is the fulcrum of your identity, the crossing that complicates the core, the boon, which is your formidable power, your bane, which is your closely guarded wisdom, or sorry, your closely guarded weakness, your desire, which is what you want most in the world, and your plan, which is how you intend to get it. Draw and read your characters at the same time. When you're ready, tell your partner about their, your character. Don't hold anything back. Your characters understand each other all too well. Perfect. So I've laid out two spreads. Um, which would you like? I'll choose the one on the right. All right, I'll take the one on the left. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah? I'm looking kind of villainous. Great. Fantastic. Whenever I pull a spindle wheel spread, it almost always comes out as a villain for me. <laughs> Even if that's not what the character ends up being. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have some ideas. Oh, tell me all about it. Okay, so I will explain what cards I got. So my core is Glacier, which is the tip of an iceberg, a grave unest- underestimation, crossed by Overgrowth, which is either Interloping Opportunist, a Greedy and Jealous Invader, or a Resurgence of Life, Nature Reclaiming Abandoned Places. So I think the first thing I know about my character is that they are unassuming, and that has been a fatal... F- underestimating them has been a fatal flaw for many of their previous enemies. Hmm. And my desire is Blizzard, which fits wonderfully with Glacier. A cutting white cold in the wind, snow smothering the world in quiet. So I think there's a deep coldness to this person. They have their mind set. And they don't intend to get this by good means, of course, because their plan is the grave. Holy shit. Closure gained, last words spoken, the end of an era. My bane is Trickster, a mad god, thoughtlessly cruel, giddy with malice. And I'm not sure whether that refers to my character being that callous and that, like, vilifying them to other people, Uh or whether that is how they feel the world has treated them. But their boon is Empress, unrivaled sovereignty, a master tactician on and off the battlefield. This person is like some sort of aristocrat. They're coming from a place of power. So that's everything I have right off the bat. That's amazing. So they definitely have to have some sort of cold-sounding name. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm just looking through my good old resource of the Utah Baby Namer. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen this. For Utah babies? So I guess there's a joke in Utah with like all the Mormon communities there that parents will name their children really, really goofy things. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. So here, I'll drop it in the Roll20 chat because it is the best list of names I have ever seen. It's like the, the Quaker school of um yeah. of naming. Cool. So you've got names like Timberland Miner or Truck. Truck. Or Trinity Michael Joseph, all one word. One word, Trinity Michael Joseph. I don't, man, that fucks me up because it's got Trinity in it and technically there are three names in it, but one of the Mm -hmm. names is Trinity. So like, it's like God of Gin, where Mm G-O-D, but the the first word is is the acronym. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. That's rough. Okay. So, I'm still getting my brain to fire in a sequence that makes sense. But here's here's the, the collection of images I've got for this character so far. Um, my core uh, is Tapestry Loom, the mainstay, the cornerstone, the common thread in a complicated plan. Crossed by Moon, a harvest moon, dark machinations illuminated, or a solar eclipse, a complete and rapid transformation. The thing that I really like about this is the idea that it's it's a, it's a fake moon. That's the thing that I I'm really I like, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's like literally a rock that we constructed and then shoved into space, or whether or not this is a job that we have somehow condensed onto the shoulders of a person-sized person. I I kind of like I kind of like that because the boon is Oracle, small town seer, happy medium, crafter of household miracles, where this person has some some prescience to them. They can sense things and predict things in the same way that the ebb and flow of the tides 
or the like waxing and waning of the moon itself um and you know occasional mm-hmm. you know things that moons do um yeah this this person can can also at, at least predict if not provide at at sort of a small scale um yeah. which is which is why they were selected to be the new moon um mm-hmm. and maybe you have some small amount of power over werewolves <laughs> yeah exactly just really 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 good with dogs um my bane my closely guarded weakness is magic beans misdirection a dream sold gutting the golden goose or within a seed awaits a mighty beanstalk a precious jewel a strange headed child i think this is going to be a dream sold in that i don't think that the sequence to transform this person into the moon was actually all that effective but they haven't been in a place to say so for several years now and now we have committed to the bit and we cannot back out of it <laughs> Um, so sort of trying, trying to do these, all these preposterous heavenly body scale things with just, you know, slightly better intuition and the faith of the people around them, um, has been really rough. Um, it's been hard. Yeah. Not so fun being the moon. No, especially when you're not, you're not the moon, as it turns out. Mm Mm-hmm. What I desire, what I want most in the world is bad blood. A trail swallowed back by shame, a trap's jaws rusted shut, or to drink from the same poison cup as your enemy. And the way that I intend to get it is with acetic root, a potent sleep tonic when properly prepared, or stubborn roots anchored into a cliff, reaching wide and winding deep. There's a couple of, of angles to these cards. One is the sort of literally drawing the sheet over people's eyes, right? To, like, complete the illusion with the potent sleep tonic. Um, and the the trap's jaws rusted shut, where it's like, even if they do notice, they won't say anything about it. But I think what I what I actually want is uh, to drink from the same poison cup as your enemy. I think that this character, who should have a name at some point, wants to go back and complete the thing, the, the transformation, so that they fully are, you know? And I think that's going to be Stubborn Roots anchored into a cliff, reaching wide and winding deep, where it's like, any traction they can get, they're going to hang on to for dear life. And I think that's I think that's them. I found a name. Tell me your name. So I googled snow, uh, ice names, uh-huh. and I was sent to a site called Mom Junction, and, uh... <laughs> the crossroads every mother finds herself at. Uh-huh. On this list is the name Ember. <laughs> a good name for an, for an ice person yep so my character is named ember wistlack he uses he him pronouns and i think that really what his desire and like his bane and what his boon all fit together in mm. is that he is an important person in a system and a world that he thinks needs to end Oof. that the current state of the world needs to just be destroyed i love it that's terrifying thank you hmm Google, tell me the good moon names, the good moon words. Moon words. Those were useless, thank you. Farthest point from the moon in an object orbit around it is Apolloon. Ooh, that's a good word. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that's what Aphelion means. The farthest point from the sun in a planetary body's orbit. Mm -hmm. That's cool. It's the name of one of my favorite comics. Um, Yeah. Have you considered the name Apollo 17? I hadn't considered the name Apollo 17. The number is very specific. I th- Apogean Tide? I mean, for low tide, when the moon is at its farthest point from the Earth. Ooh, Vernal Equinox. I'm pretty sure that's on the YouTube 
on the Yuha baby name list too. That's a good one too. Ooh, that's cool. Saros cycle. The occurrence of eclipses. Yeah, this is Saros. Saros? Mm-hmm. No last name. No, the moon doesn't have two names. <laughs> okay, so I have I have some questions before we we get into it. Yes. Is this like on the scale of magic bullshit to technol to to science fiction bullshit? Where where are we sitting? Um, I always tend to lean towards magic bullshit, but uh, I don't know. The fantastical elements are resting more on your character than mine at the moment. That's so. That's true. Yeah, I think I wanna I wanna do like uh, a magic thing, but in the sense of like magic having been harnessed to some extent in the same way that technology has. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. So good. All right. Um. So we've got Saros and Ember Wistlock. What's our next step? Next is history. These cards explore your history together. Use this stage to decide the kind of bond you had. Familial, friendly, romantic, professional, rivalry, etc. Draw your histories at the same time like so. So the first one will be uh, Clotho. The two of you go way back. Combine your Clotho cards to describe how you first met. So we'll flip these. So I have Spitfire, Pluck and Moxie, Ace Pilot, Tamer of Beasts. And I have Poppy Flute. Take command of your audience with a kind word and a catchy tune. Okay, so way back when we were the dream team. <laughs> there were like multiple problems that the two of us together like we solved seemingly impossible to solve problems yes absolutely like it was definitely like you were the like magic user i was like the more like warrior and defender yeah i think ember shoot i want to come up with something more interesting than a sword um I think we definitely took some very dumb risks and didn't feel the consequences right away. Mm -hmm. That's what I get from Pluck and Moxie and Ace Pilot. I think take command with your, of your audience with a kind word and a catchy tune means I smoothed out the wrinkles that you you couldn't. Mm -hmm. I yeah I I like I like these two getting caught up in each other's bullshit basically <laughs> just like yeah being taken in completely and just like clicking immediately. Like that was like seasons one and two of the anime. Yeah, good. <laughs> Lachesis, your relationship at its strongest. Use this card to describe what you brought to the relationship. So I brought Grandmother's Ring, an old grudge, a tepid piece. I brought snake oil, a stopgap, a placebo, a sweet tasting poison, or a simple solution to a complicated problem, easy in theory, difficult in practice. <sighs> I love this aligning with, um, maybe we met before I was the moon, and then I, yeah. I became the moon, and... Maybe part of our relationship was trying, like, I, I think probably you knew that I I didn't have the extent of powers that people expected me to have. Mm -hmm. um, and so I I was busy wrestling with that, that simple solution to the, to the complicated problem and also presenting that placebo to the people around us. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think Ember was, like, knighted or, like, brought into the aristocracy, mm -hmm. like, still out adventuring, but now with, like, uh title and with you know all the things that come to that and i think this group this kingdom or wherever they rose up in mm -hmm. does not trust the moon at all both the actual moon up in the sky and you yeah they don't trust lunar magic i think i think that they trust fire magic <laughs> <laughs> but while we were friends a tepid piece you know things didn't get out of hand yeah <laughs> love to be tolerated 
Well, no, I was an honest friend, I think. Mm-hmm. And because of that friendship, things on a broader scale didn't go bad. I see, I see. And then Atropos, the last time you saw each other. So I got Star, the narcissist grasping for fame, desperate to be seen by power. Well, okay. <laughs> I think that that's pretty self-explanatory. I think I got tired of you and all of your moon duties getting in the way of our dream team adventures. Mm-hmm. And I also think I started to see some of the darker sides of the culture that made you the moon. Like, I started to see why we don't necessarily trust lunar magic. I think there was, like, something we went on where you did something that went deeply, deeply against my cultural norms and perhaps even morals. Mm -hmm. And kind of left Ember questioning. Yeah, that aligns really nicely with mine, which is Survivor. Scar-crossed in body and mind, wounded and raw-hearted. Yeah, I think that the last time, our our last job, as it were, I feel like I hurt you pretty badly. I don't know if that was true or not, but I, the sense that I got was that, and and maybe like I I tried to treat it like it it has has always been, where like we can we can talk about it and sort of sort through it, and it just mm-hmm. it didn't happen this time, um, or or it did happen and it didn't help, you know? Yeah, I think. Ember had to face, like, some sort of personal demon, like, you know, their own personal villain, and you came in and solved the problem, but also hurt them very badly, Mm -hmm. physically, in doing so. Yeah. And that's what, that was, like, the straw that broke the relationship. Yeah. Or, like, destroyed something that was important to you in the process of solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Well, that dovetails real nicely (laughs) into into, uh, the next section, which, if you would read Grievances, please. Grievances. It's time to pinpoint where it all fell apart. Each of you, choose one facet and play it on your opponent's history cards. Describe how your partner's actions back then, intentionally or not, destroyed that facet forever. So the core would mean that they undermined the very fiber of your own identity. The crossing would be they took away something that made you special. The boon would be some they ripped away your greatest talent. The bane would be they hit you right where they knew it would hurt you the most. The desire it would be they ruined the one thing you wanted most in the world. And the plan would be they made sure you couldn't capitalize on your on it even if you had the chance as the accused you can decide whether or not these accusations are true or if your opponent has been misled or even if it's true if they would have done the same in your place regardless the damage is done and there's no going back collect your facets fates and your opponent's grievance into your hand i'm going to give you trickster Hmm. which was my bane a mad god thoughtlessly cruel giddy with malice i think in the moment it was understandable what you did but after however many years i imagine at least like you know 10 or 20 years Mm -hmm. it has been built into like an edifice of like everything that is wrong and evil about the world (laughs) that even my closest friend would betray me like that damn (laughs) um i think i'm gonna give you oracle i think that teaming up with you who always had much higher aspirations i think than i did meant that when I entered the global stage, as it were, there was no way for me to back down. There was no out. Okay. So, yeah. And then we take all of these cards into our hand. Mm-hmm. And then is armor. If you anticipate uneasy territory in the genre you've built, like body horror or mind control, discuss whether you want to include those things, and if so, within what boundaries. Write lines you will not cross under armor somewhere both of you can see. If any element of armor is broken, that card is removed from play, and that turn is forfeited. You can also declare armor during play to deflect unexpected squicks. 
The player declaring armor takes agency over the de deflected card and can negotiate parameters, revise what happened, discard the card, or anything in between they need. Look after each other. You're playing this game to hurt your characters, not your partner. So is there anything we anticipate? There's nothing that I immediately anticipate that I'm uncomfortable with. I guess my question is, are you interested in romantic undertones with these two? Um, I definitely think there is some tension there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that will come out in play, but okay. I'm totally fine with that. Cool beans, me too. Um, is there anything specific? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and if it comes up, then we can just declare our word. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So next is Terms of Engagement. Draw two cards from the deck and cross them. Use them to describe the most fucking Los Angeles. I swear to God. <laughs> you can hear that, right? Oh, yes, I can. Fuck me. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad to not live in a city. <laughs> How about you read this section, then? Okay. The Terms of Engagement. One player chooses the field of honor, the other player decides the weapons. The field of honor. You draw two cards from the deck and cross them. Use them to describe the most dramatic location for your duel. Describe the lightning splitting the sky above the old chapel, or wind rushing through the fields of heather, or the catwalks suspending you above bubbling casks of molten iron. It can be an old stomping ground that brings up memories, or someplace entirely new. For the weapons, draw two cards from the deck and cross them. Use them to describe the weapons available. Present sharp steel swords, traditional dueling pistols, broken bottles and whittled shivs, magical forces and beastly forms. Use two cards to make the weapons specific and personal. Which would you like? Uh, I will do the Field of Honor. Cool. From the deck, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's always an interesting card. <laughs> so our Field of Honor is the right hand of Solomon Ash, a spidering stress fracture, a tectonic slip in composure of volcanic eruption, crossed by heat wave, the first thaw of spring a thermal updraft, a warm embrace. So I think this duel is happening. So it's in a field of ice. Like there's like maybe like six inches of snow and then below that is several feet of ice. Mm -hmm. Except that's shuddering with earthquakes because there is volcanic activity beneath this. Ooh. This has always been a hot springs, but something has woken it up. So there's like Jets of flame bursting out and then causing all the ice to melt and making it incredibly slippery and hazardous. Things are cracking and there's like rivers of lava, but other places the ice is still like way colder than you would think it would be being so close to fire. Mm -hmm. So it's a place of extremes and it's incredibly dangerous because like there's fire, there's steam, there's shards of ice. Probably steam is the most dangerous just because it can come out of nowhere and it will come before the fire. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, hot springs or places with, like, lots of geothermal activity, but that steam is dangerous. Mm, fantastic. So the weapons are darkness, shadows cast on the cave wall, or a curtain thicker than the absence of light, crossed by tender of blooms, a gardener, a florist, a teacher, or an apothecary, a purveyor of perfumes, poultices, and poisons. I definitely like the imagery of shadows cast on the cave wall. I think there is a little bit of illusion to it and a little bit of a little bit of, of stage magic to it even, where um mm -hmm. as long as you don't examine how how it works, it'll work. Um and Tender of Blooms, I think, is I think that there is life cultivated here, and maybe that is part of the fissures that are opening up, is that this place is entering into a, a new era of abundance. And so we can to some extent cultivate 
what the ground is doing um, and what that fire is doing. And I think we both have access to that in our own distinct ways. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's, the, that's that. Okay. Next is wind conditions. Declare how far you intend to go. First blood, submission to the death. Your conditions don't have to match. Do I have to choose one of those three or can I choose something else? You can choose something else if you want. I don't think I'm going to go with two. Well, maybe I'm going to go with two of the death. No, I think I'll just go with submission. Mm. That we are at opposing goals and as much as I have built my hate and hurt, I don't think Ember is ready to go to the death. I think Ember would go to the death with literally anyone else in the world, Mm. but not with Saros. I think it's going to be first blood. I think Saros really doesn't want to hurt Ember, actually. And it's a little bit perfunctory, this fight. Um, and mm-hmm. they are hoping that they can make a big show of it and then get away with, you know, bloodying your nose a bit. And maybe that will be enough. Yeah. Again, extremely anime. We're just going to fight our feelings out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then is the last word. You've rehearsed over and over exactly what you'll say when you win. Choose a card from your hand to match. Keep it secret, face down on the table, separate from the dueling space. Hmm. I need a minute to consider this. Absolutely. How sad do you want this game to end? I like it when it's sad is the problem. <laughs> okay. I'm a sucker for it. Okay, you you asked you asked me to choose that card then. I did. Right. I did. I had a couple good choices and that that's what I'm going with. Good. Great. Alright. So to start, draw a card from the deck to determine who starts. Discuss who it fits better. That player plays it as their first strike. Might as well pull that. Spinster, a recluse, obscured by obligation, rootless and efficient. Or an affable hermit, a professor lost in thought. Uh, that sounds more like you. Yeah. Because you're one who considers their actions a little bit more. <laughs> Fair point. Oh, I forgot you were trying to fucking destroy the world. Hey, I just remembered that. I'm not trying to necessarily destroy the world. I'm trying to destroy everything that's wrong with the world. Oh, oh I see. I see. Okay. I understand. Which includes both of our corrupt powers. Right, yeah. Okay, if you would read the duel section. Yeah. Duel. Take turns playing cards from your hands. Each card is an attack, a feint, a taunt, a parry, a block, a step in your deadly dance. Be as extra and over the top with your attacks as you want. Describe how you counter the previous card and make clear your intentions. But only describe your actions in the moment, not its effect. When you can't reply... Draw from the deck to take a wound. For example, I lunge with my sword aiming for the necklace swinging from your neck, a foolish fondness cheaply gained. I roll with the movement and trap your arm, throw you to the ground, a sudden change, a strange polyp error. A teacher, I taught you that move. I land on my feet, reach back to take my talons across your face. Uh, damn, I take a wound. So basically, play cards back and forth until we don't have a response. Yep. Okay. So my first move is with uh, the card that we, uh, we drew. Which is... Real quick question, how does your magic work? Um... You've got, like, a cool weapon, and... Yeah, uh, I don't think Ember can do any magic himself, mm-hmm. but I do think that he is outfitted with lots of cool magical tools. Hell yeah. And I think... Oh, that's good. So, he's got an enchanted stick he's had for thousands of years. Um, I don't know, have you ever seen someone speedrun... Let's see, which Zelda is it? Uh, Ocarina of Time? I have not. So there's a thing where you can go to the final fight and get a glitch so that the Deku stick, which is like one of the starting game items you find, which is just like a stick, 
does as much damage as the best sword in the game. Okay. So I think it is just like a stick that he has had from childhood that's been enchanted again and again and again. And it's just like, you can kind of use it like a quarterstaff, but it holds a lot of force. I think that's his main weapon. Okay. Well, that ties really nicely into Rootless, I think. I'm going to try to break that just off of that. I think this is like, it's a really sudden strike. I don't think I I don't think I, f- I fight with weapons. I think it's either with my hands or with the environment. And I think this is just like me striking out to break it in half. I'm gonna play Spitfire, Pluck and Moxie Eight's pilot. I let you grab the staff and then twist it a little bit, and there's just a bolt of force and fire from it that singes both my own hands, but also intends to send you flying back. Oh, the force also goes down between us and starts another crack in the ice. Brilliant. I do not let go. I think I, I twist around and um, playing ascetic root, um, stubborn roots anchored into a cliff, reaching wide and winding deep. I manipulate my grip around the staff and twist around so that the blast goes past me. And I'm going to sort of use it as a lever to throw you into the fissure that, that has just opened. Let's see. Glacier, a grave underestimation. Ember falls into the fissure for a good, like, three or four seconds, Mm -hmm. and then just comes rocketing back up through some force unknown, like they did a really good jump, (laughs) and just comes flying back out with a flying kick, and as they are radiating the kick, they throw a ball of, you know, not like a snowball with chunks of ice in it, right at your face to, like, blind you. I'm gonna play this? Yeah. Magic beans. A misdirection. It's a thing where I very narrowly dodge those attacks, and the jagged ice ball that you've thrown at me, I sort of take hold of that with my magic and then drag it across the snowscape, and it starts to snowball, um, (laughs) uh, getting bigger and bigger, and I just swing it um, right around around back to you. It it is the size of you now. (laughs) Let's see. I think I'm going to take that hit. Alright, so for wounds, when you don't have a response to a card, or when it feels narratively satisfying, take a wound. Draw two cards from the deck. The first card is what you lose. For example, your speed, your doubts, uh, usage of your dominant hand, your shield, your nerve, etc. Describe a memory that you have of your partner that parallels the wound. Um, For example, I remember when you took the blame for my mistake. Integrate the wound's effects into your fighting, but keep the card face down on the table in front of you. The second card is the lesson you learn from it. Share as much or as little about this card with your partner as you want. It goes into your hand. Then take your turn. When you reach three wounds, you can't hide the blood in your teeth. Flip a wound card and meet your opponent's win condition. Take the loss gracefully or flip another wound to push through it at great personal cost and keep fighting. When you would take a wound again, flip a card to stay in the fight, but do not draw from the deck. This first card goes face up, right? Because yeah. at least momentarily. Yeah. All right. So I take a raised glass. A new bond forged in remembrance of those who have been lost. Yeah, so I get hit by this snowball and knocks the wind out of Ember, and he goes flying backwards, you know, like 10 or 20 feet back. Mm -hmm. And let's see, what does he remember? Uh, He remembers fighting a snow abomination with you (laughs) years and years and years ago, where both he and Saros are on their backs in front of this thing, both of their lives flashing in front of their eyes. (laughs) And then they, like, do the thing where, like, they look at each other and then go into their cool combo move where, like, Saros uses their telekinetic magic to send Ember flying. 
in to get a good attack with his stick. So a memory of that first time where they realized that as a team, they could do anything. Mm -hmm. And what do I lose now? I think Ember loses a little bit of, let's see. Yeah, a little bit of their bitterness is what they lose. Oh. This is the first time where they've thought about a time that was good in so long. And then I draw another card, and this goes into my hand, right? Yep. I think the lesson that they take is just remembering what Saros's powers are. You know, it's been a while, so maybe they have some new ones, but starting to remember their old tricks. Fantastic. And then it is your turn. Okay. Hmm. Ember starts laughing. I'm going to play Empress, a master tactician on and off the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And when Saros looks down at their feet, they see that the fissure that they had thrown Ember into is now widening and expanding and cracks and this whole section of the ice is falling apart and you've just thrown them into safety. <laughs> I'll take that, yeah. Uh-huh. Just absolutely tumbling down and, like, scrambling for purchase. Yeah. Yep, I will take that wound. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Vampire, a legendary monster, cold-blooded noblesse, a parasite, or vitality to the dying, life to the dead, vengeance to the wounded. I think the, the the wound here, the loss, is some of my naivete, where, you know, I, I did what everyone does eventually, which is underestimate you. Um, and I forgot, because it's been a minute, I forgot how wily and smart you are. And I, th- I think the thing this reminds me of is when I first became the moon, there was a period where we both thought that I was just adjusting, right? Like I was just getting used to these abilities and that more would come eventually. In which you did a, like a lot of fronting for me and used that underestimation, that sort of ability to fade into the background to make me seem much more intimidating and much more powerful than um, than I actually was. And the sort of uneasy tipping point where we realized that that's all that there was and that it was not a, t- a temporary uh, fix um, mm-hmm. I will draw for the lesson I learned walkers yep endurance hunters steady pursuers tireless trackers if I can do anything it's outlive you um, I take my turn which is moon a solar eclipse a complete and rapid transfer actually it's a it's dark machinations illuminated excuse me which is that saros goes scrambling right and disappears and into into the breaking ice and the chunk of ice that you're on like sort of shudders and then begins to move and uh looking around you see that the sort of volcanic vents spew up like a a curtain of steam all all the way around in like a 20 foot circle around you um and when they start to abate you can see that the landscape is that bright red peeking through the black carbon of um of lava and the stone that was acting as a barrier between between the ice and volcanic vents has been moved you can feel the ice around you start to melt and the distance between you and the remaining pieces of ice that uh, that Saros fell into is getting bigger by the, by the second. Slowly and steadily, Ember walks towards the chasm. Seeing you flexing your larger powers, just starts shouting. You see these cursed powers, they do nothing but destroy this world. This place was beautiful once, pristine. And everyone who tries to do these unnatural things to tries to 
shake the balance of the world. You're you're killing it. You realize this. There are like four different separate idiot machines. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. It's just gonna be like this. I'm doing my best. Okay. Um, my response is poppy flute. I am stepping on this plume of steam, and I like rise up that way, and I I lift a hand, and the lava licks at the glacier, and um, I say I do nothing that isn't within its nature. These are are questions I am offering, and they are being answered with a full heart. I'm saying basically that this magic is a given thing. It is not a taken thing. And it is not evil as a result. I'm going to play Oracle. Some questions were not meant to be asked. And with that, shoot. Were you always named Saros? Um, Or is that a name that you were given as the moon? Hmm. I think it's a... Yeah, I think it's the name that I took as the moon. Of course, you've got, you've got me scrambling for a different name. Um, I think the first name was... Or, actually, that first name doesn't matter. You're, you're Saros now. That's true, it doesn't. And I don't know if, honestly, in this moment, Ember would even remember or care about that. Yeah. But I think their point is, um, some questions are not meant to be asked. Do you remember, before they pulled you in, you could still do amazing things. We were... Th- this power has made you do nothing but do harm. Before we did good, still standing their ground, but now starting to sink into the <laughs> melting slush. I'm going to take a wound, because it's not like you're wrong. <laughs> Phoenix wine. Alchemist's fire in a crystal decanter, a wrath portioned and contained, or a single fiery feather poisons the supply and turns the sea to glass. You say this, and it's not like I'm not aware of what's happening, but... For a second, I'm looking at the situation from your perspective, and I, I, I flinch. I falter for just a second, and my control over, over the lava slips. And it erupts, and it turns the sea to glass. <laughs> the thing that it reminds me of is, um, there was, it's actually the, the thing that it reminds me of is the inverse, which is, um, there was a moment in our first adventure together where you had the opportunity to use your staff at its full strength, and you didn't, you know, out of respect or out of caution. I think I didn't understand at the time what it was, but I distinctly remember you having having a shot and not taking it. And the lesson that I learned from it is Angel, the Arbiter Divine, a single-minded holy horse. Okay, that's fine. That's going to be just fine, I think. Um, ah, here it is. So my hand on it slips, and I am scrambling to get it back. And um, in God, I hate this. Um, in the moment, I am thrown onto the same float as you, and there is a moment where we are side by side. And I grab onto your collar, and I pull you close, and I say, "Like I'm, I'm grabbing you as if to throw you again." But I pull you close, and I, and I whisper into your ear, "If you just lose this one." Then you can go back to what you're doing. You can continue to to undermine and destroy and whatever it is that you're doing. But I need you to lose this one. Um, and I'm playing trickster, quick and clever, bane of the greedy, enemy of those in power. I say back, 
I don't lose. But that gives you an opportunity to do the throw or whatever you're going to do. So I will take this wound. Great. Oh boy, my <laughs> wound is cursed sword. <laughs> a voracious blade, double-edged, glittering red with unquenchable thirst. Yeah, so I think what Ember didn't see was you knew that would be the response. And you used that moment's hesitation just to, you know, get that last word in to actually snatch his staff. Oh. And throw it into the fire. Oh, shit. So what he loses is his main weapon, his cool magical staff. And I think this brings us back to a memory of the only other time the staff was broken. It was shortly after you became the moon and, like, we got in above our heads because we didn't know what powers we were dealing with. And, yeah, I think we were, like, maybe, like, fighting with the ghost of the previous moon or something. <laughs> and the staff was broken. And it was a time where... Ember had to put his full trust in Saros, mm. and he did, but he also, after that, had made a promise to himself, never again. Mm. Yeah. And my lesson is wildfire. I think, um, shoot, what is a good lesson there? That a broken thing can be fixed in time, mm. but sometimes it takes time. Okay. Now I need a response. So, Saros is still holding Ember, right? Yes. Okay. I think Ember jolts himself backwards and tries to pull you with him off of this relative platform of safety into the fire directly below, trying to pull both of us together down. I think this is going to be bad blood. Vitriol swallowed back by shame, a trap's jaws rusted shut. This is Saros flinching. This is reaching out instinctively and bringing slabs of ice that catch us both. And then after like a, a moment of pause, like remembers that they're in a fight and they stand up and leap back um, onto another shard of ice and close their fist and are going to try and trap you in case you in this sharp trap of ice. Hmm. Man, as you get less and less cards, your decisions get more and more limited. <laughs> yep. It gets, it gets real desperate at the end here, huh? Uh-huh. I'm going to play Grandmother's Ring. As I see Saros doing this, I say, why didn't you just let me die? Huh. And then, after saying that, pulls out a dagger and throws it. <laughs> this dagger hurtles through the air, and as it does, it crackles with lightning mm -hmm. around it. Huh. Do you mean, in this moment, why didn't you let me die? Or is this like... There's no context to the statement. Like, <laughs> Fair. that's maybe what I intended, but... <laughs> I don't know, how does Saros interpret that? Oh my god, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, Saros catches the dagger mid-flight, of course, and examines it for a moment with, like, a slight smirk, and and says, um, you hadn't given me what I needed yet. And then I, I plunge the dagger into the ground under my feet, and it sparks, and the dagger glows hot with that electrical energy. And um, that lightning courses through this section of ice, and it begins to glow in, in particular places. And this thing that has been awakening this entire time, the color of the lava changes. It goes from red to white. Um, and it, it would be, like, it would be moonlight if moonlight weren't gentle. But of course I've never been the moon, have I? And this thing begins to stand up. 
Tapestry Loon, a cathedral in progress, the masterpiece of a generation. Wait, by this thing, what are you referring to? The entire area around us? Yes. A specific thing? Oh, okay. There's like a shift and a shudder. I'm going to play Blizzard. A cutting white cold in the wind. Snow smothering the world in quiet. It's a moment of silence. Mm -hmm. The trap of ice has like almost entirely encased Ember. Saros is standing there, proud. And then there is a massive clap of thunder as lightning strikes the dagger in the ground directly in front of Saros. I'm going to take it. I'm, it's, I'm playing Angel, the Arbiter Divine, a single-minded holy force. I, I think when it does, there's a, a second where, you know, when lightning strikes, there's a second where like it makes contact and then it dissipates, right? It moves into the ground. And Saros reaches out and grabs it and keeps it from doing so. So it is suspended between their hand and the dagger and channels it both into the machine and into themselves. This is not for your benefit. This is a display for those watching. Mm -hmm. This is an assertion that they have, they have the, the power that they always said that they did and that you had helped sell them as. But now it is it is a genuine display. Or is it it is as close to a genuine display of power as Saros can come. Yeah, I'm definitely taking that wound. Alpha, head of the household, leader of the pack, fierce protector of kith and kin. Or cult leader, defender of the homeland, enemy to outsiders and descent. Okay, so I think the memory here is relatively early in our adventures, coming into the queen and introducing you as being like Hey, this is my friend Saros. They are destined to become the moon. Isn't that cool? And together we've overcome all these trials and tribulations. You know, I wouldn't have been able to achieve anything with this. And just seeing everyone else horrified that I would bring the, a, a moon into the palace, into, into the city at all. Mm -hmm. And having to face for the first time that, hey, a lot of people are not comfortable with this kind of power. And just kind of like the, the awkward glance between us as I realize that, oh, I brought you into a very awkward, dangerous situation. <laughs> and right now, what Ember loses is any doubt that Saros is dangerous and needs to be stopped. That's my third wound, so I can't take any more of those, right? Correct. Or it says when you reach three wounds, flip a wound card. Yep. So do I do that now? Yes. Okay. What were these? I don't even remember. Oh, okay. You know what? That's fitting. I will flip a raised glass. And the wound isn't blood. Mm -hmm. The wound is tears. Ugh. As they see this in awe and terror and fear. These are tears of anger as well as tears of sadness. Yeah. Do you take the loss or do you push through? Hmm. That's a good question. I gotta push through, right? You gotta. At least once. So I will flip Cursed Sword. So... Okay, so this wound is Ember looks down at his hands and sees blood from earlier in the fight that he mm -hmm. just hadn't noticed until now. Mm -hmm. That he had been holding his staff so hard that especially when it had been torn away, it had torn the skin. But now I still get to play a card, right? Yep, and you still get you still get uh, to draw for it. Oh, I still get to draw? Yeah, oh, yeah for, cause that for the third UDM. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, bridge. Oh, bridge. <laughs> Old friend. I have my own associations with Bridge, which we don't need to get into right now. But Bridge has been a, Bridge has had some meaning. <laughs> what is that? I think the lesson is sometimes shoot. What what's the phrase for when something isn't a metaphor? It's just a thing. 
Sometimes a, a cigar is just a cigar. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Sometimes when someone is the incredibly dangerous moon, you might think you're their friend, but in the end, they're still the incredibly dangerous moon. Hmm. And looking in his hand, Ember sees a splinter <gasps> from their staff. And they do what they promised themselves they never would do. And he channels his blood into the splinter. And just as the ice is finally sealing around him, he just kind of takes it between his two fingers and flicks it out towards Saros, playing Hunter. Oh, I'm not paying attention to you at all. I think I take that wound, which will be my third, which is good, which is good. Um, Keatine, a breath held, <laughs> an axe suspended, a frayed rope pulled taut, or a system dismantled, a ruling class deposed, a worm rooted out. Ah, jeez. Uh, okay. So what I am doing, as you land this hit, is I am raising the machine to its full potential, but that means accessing very delicate sections of it. And the splinter hits me, and it's a combination of the power that you channeled into it, which I was not expecting at all. I have never expected from you. And the break in my own concentration fries the systems. And so it is out of my control. And the thing that it reminds me of is... um, it's a, it's a couple of memories. It is remembering when we took down the first moon together and seeing how you knew exactly where to strike. And I didn't question it at the time because it was very useful. But it was... It did give me a chill at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And the second was you doing a similar thing with the Queen's Court. Finding dissenters and knowing where to push and what to say. To either pull them into line or get them out of the way. And that is my third wound. I'm going to flip. Uh, And the card that I flip is Vampire. A legendary monster, cold-blooded noblesse, a parasite. Or vitality to the dying, life to the dead, vengeance to the wounded. Oh, you can clearly see that in the process of wrangling this machine, in the process of bringing it to life, I have connected my own life force to it. And the fluctuation in systems also strikes me, and I fall. <laughs> and the thing that I learned from it is the fountain. Industrial falloff, leeching ruin, th- the venom in a serpent's corpse. Which is, yeah, this fucking... It's not good to tie yourself to machines. Especially when they are made of ice and lava. The things that it needs are very different from the things that you need. And they're, it's going to take precedence. Um... But I am so close. I am so fucking close. So I'm going to flip to push through. With Phoenix Vine, a single fiery feather poisons <laughs> its blood, turns the sea to glass. I think it encroaches physically, right? Like, my body begins to turn, and I am being transformed into glass, I think. Into glass? Yeah. Okay. But you can still play a card. I can still play a card, that's right. I'm playing walkers, still looking at fissures, trembling giants, a long reach with a frail limb. And I think what the machine does is it takes the crystalline ice sphere that I've locked you in and it picks it up and it just throws it. And wherever you land, however you land, it doesn't care. It just wants you fucking gone. I don't think I have any response to that. I think this is it. Oh, woof. Yeah. I'm not quite sure whether the ball 
I have two different ideas in mind. Either okay. the ball lands, and Ember doesn't survive that. Ember is, at the end of the day, a relatively normal person. Mm-hmm. So they won't survive that. Or the ball is thrown so hard that it flies up into the sky, and we don't see where it comes down. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps going as far as to go into orbit. <laughs> But I don't know if this world works like that. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely first blood. Well, it also seems to be last blood, so that works. <laughs> okay, for endgame. Uh, the game ends when either a win condition is met and the loser concedes the battle, all three of a player's wounds are flipped and the character is too badly injured to continue, or a player runs out of cards and is at the end of their rope. The loser looks to the horizon, drawing a card from the deck. Is anyone coming to save them? Tin Penny, a sacred tenet ridiculed, a grim bond forged without kindness or warmth, or a small and clearly counterfeit coin, a foolish fondness cheaply gained. We could go with a grim bond forged without kindness or warmth. I think way, 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 way back, just as we were leaving on like our second adventure together where we were like, hey, maybe we should keep doing things together. We went to see a seer, and they read our fates, and they told us that in the end, one of us would die of the cold, and the other would be to blame. And we laughed it off. But look where we are now. Look where we are now. Finally, both of you flip your last word cards. Describe how it feels when the dust clears and the frayed ties that bind you together are finally severed for good. Leave these words on the battlefield. Do you want to go first or should I? Fuck. That's a goddamn <laughs> pair, isn't it? That's a pair of fucking yeah. last word cards. Yeah. So I I went with the grave. And, you know, when I put it down, I figured it could go either way. But I'm pretty sure it's a devastating loss, a bone healed wrong. Yeah. If I hadn't shorted out this machine, maybe it would be closure gained in the end of an era. But given that that didn't go well, no. It's... No. This is not the beginning of a new peaceful era. No, it is not. It is absolutely not. Scar-crossed in body and mind, wounded and raw-hearted, or shipwrecked sailor, mountain roamer, shoe-maker, snake-eater. What card did you do? choose, Sasha? I don't think you said it out loud. Survivor. What do I say? It is in the, like, the moment before, when, I, when I'm holding you in, in my hand, that I say, you know... None of this would have been possible without you. And I hope that you survive the oncoming changes. But I don't expect you to. Yeah, and I think we see the ball of ice get thrown. And I don't think we see whether or where it lands. That's me being the field of honor at dawn. Yeah. We certainly didn't meet in that field of honor. <laughs> Shit. I don't know if it was at dawn. Oh, moons are bad, actually. Uh like, I, I don't know if you were in the wrong, necessarily. Because <sighs> I don't think Ember was entirely in the right. Well, I don't think that, I don't think that Saros proved him wrong, necessarily, is the thing. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think any of those presuppositions were actually dispelled whatsoever. Nope. No. Yeah, yeah, my last wound was losing all doubt. <laughs> Yeah, interesting game to play. It really does feel like 
watching episode 19 of a 20 episode anime or something <laughs> and not having any of the context and then piecing it together with your friend who's watched the whole thing mm-hmm. yeah thank you so much for having me on to play this game it's really good yeah thank you for coming on um thank you for outlasting the fucking construction machines outside hey i don't have to edit it so i'm not worried about it yeah um i've been i've been sasha you can find me on twitter at sasha underscore renell you can um follow all of my game dev stuff at tea cabbage and if you like what you heard um and you want to give it a try yourself you can find this game at 22 to22.itch.io slash spindlewheel dash micrograms and if you're interested in spindlewheel as a system um, you can check that out at uh, tcabbage.com slash spindlewheel. Um, there will be links to the open beta, which is where you can find the full like story version of this game. Print and play that for free while it's an open beta, and maybe give me feedback. That would be great. And with me for this fantastic fight has been Paul. Yeah, uh, you can find me at poly3 underscore d, where you can find out about my own podcast, where I use spindlewheel, and also see the fun little games I write. The latest of those is called Barkadamia, where your dog's <laughs> committing academic crimes like plagiarism, you know, the most exciting crime. <laughs> oh yeah, so if that sounds interesting, you can find those games at poly3d.itch.io. Hell yeah. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Sasha. Yeah. <laughs>